0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we like to discuss the details and mention it all. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I'm going to be doing a review of a podcast called uh, Pursuit of Wellness by Mari Llewellyn. She interviewed a doctor by the name of Paul Saladino. So I'll get into that in just a second. First, let's get into my regular segments and some housekeeping. So I recently, some of you might have seen my post on Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Um, I've been trying to switch to a new podcast host. So I was on this one called Buzzsprout, which I loved. I love Buzzsprout, but it was very limited for creators in terms of creating different tiers of access. So I thought I was going to do Patreon, and then I realized patreon didn't seem to have some of the features i needed and patreon did use this company called a Plus. and and Acast plus themselves offer different tiers of access so i was like okay i think this one might work if you know patreon uses them they must be a quality platform so i ended up kind of migrating over and this was what i was really afraid of i was afraid of like a hiccup in service and of course there was and and i just i knew i kind of like tried to mentally prepare myself for um you know some issues because that's just what happens when you you make you know kind of major changes and so i uploaded my i had i had redirected the podcast and followed all their instructions on how to do that. I was still so comfortable with the uploading on Buzzsprout that I went ahead and uploaded my premium content episode called Craving More. Um, That's the one I uploaded it to Buzzsprout. But then my listeners, my subscribers, weren't able to hear it. So anyway, I realized they needed to cancel their subscription through Buzzsprout Resubscribe through ACAST. So, I did send an email out to all of my subscribers explaining the process and apologizing because they weren't able to listen to the episode on Sunday, which they normally are able to. Um, but anyway, so we worked all that out. They were able to cancel, resubscribe, and then listen through the ACAST platform. And I have heard from some of my listeners that it's actually a better experience. So, I'm really happy that the experience is better. Better. Now what I have is, so with the, the show you're listening to right now is my free show. You get two a month. Then I have a basic tier called Craving More. That allows listeners to subscribe for $4 a month, and they get two additional episodes of this content. And I do speak a little bit more freely behind that paywall. I tell, you know, I speak a little bit more freely about some of the drama I have and some of the people in my life, because I just feel a lot safer behind that paywall. Now what I wanted to do is I wanted to have another tier of VIP access. And so VIP access is going to have even deeper um, personal stuff. You know, the first story I'm planning on telling on this VIP episode is the time I was almost murdered by a guy from the gym. Now, this is a really personal, trauma-filled, drama-filled story that, you know, is not going to be appropriate to just share openly in the air to just anyone. So that's why I'm creating this. Like, I don't even know if my regular subscribers to my basic, you know, craving more would even want to hear a story like this. So that's the type of content you'll get behind the VIP is extra premium, extra juicy, extra personal content about me, about my life. I was contemplating doing like a weekly weigh-in. I'm not, Anyone listening, I mean, you can if you want to, but I was planning on doing that for myself for accountability. I don't know. I'm still figuring it all out. I do know, you know, I've I've wanted a place where I can do some bonus episodes because sometimes I just feel like doing an extra episode in the week and I wanted a place to put that. And so so the basic level of craving more will always have the extra two. So listeners that subscribe to that will have four a month. Every single week, they'll get a show and then the vip listeners will have at least one per month bonus episode but many the potential for many more plus some video bonus content and extra you know premium juicy you know personalized um, you know, content behind that, that higher level paywall. So that one, the VIP is $9.99 a month. Craving More is four. And then we have this free one that all of you are listening to on now. So anyway, so if you do want to support the show, you can subscribe to Craving More. Um, if you want the specific instructions, you can DM me, um, And I will be putting all of those links on my website, thedietobsessed.com, and I will also have them in my link on my Instagram profile at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. So all of that will be there. Go check it out if you want to support the show. And now let's get into my segments. So first, I'm going to start with my mental health check-in because it was I was in a bad state on my last show. Um, I had just gone through this really horrible experience with one of our partners. Again, this is the free show, so I'm not going to speak too too openly about it. But for everybody that listened last week, uh, I'm in a much better place. Actually, taping the podcast last week did help me to kind of get in a better mood. So I I do love talking to all of you that are listening. So it did put me in a much better better space. Um, but this week, you know, I'm still I'm still struggling a little bit just in terms of like pulling my brain away from this person, like. I don't want this person in my head. Like I don't want to keep thinking about this very frustrating human being that I have to deal with in my life. And so I'm like, I have to like constantly, Veronica, stop, Veronica, stop. Like I literally have to be like, Veronica, stop thinking about this person. Oh, it's so annoying. So... Anyway, I, you know, when I have these horrible thoughts, and I'm like, that's not the person I want to be. Like, I just I want to be a good person. I want to have good thoughts. I want to have positive, gratitude-filled thoughts, not toxic shit going on, swirling in my brain. So, you know, the mental health is still, you know, uh, uh, an issue. I mean, right now I have to deal with this person a lot more. Um, and hopefully in over the next couple months, I can deal with him less. We shall see. So anyway, um, Monday was, Monday was just one of those days, you know, that you have those days where you're like a little depressed and anxious and you just, you don't really want to like do any, any work and you have so like, I had so much work to do. And I was just like checking it off. I'm like, let me get it done. Let me get it done. I was just like, let me just get through this day. Got through the day. Then Tuesday, our AC broke. So that was fun dealing with 114 degree weather. You know, we had to sleep overnight, no AC. Uh, And the dog, our poor dogs, like our poor dogs were, you know, so hot. And we finally got it fixed the next day. So um, so that was a very uncomfortable experience. But, you know, I I probably sweat a couple pounds off, which wasn't a bad thing. (laughs) So anyway. um, So, yeah, so that was I'm in a much better, you know, place mentally right now. And I do have some stressful things coming up tomorrow, but I feel like I'm in a good place to handle them. So anyway, I hope all of you are having a good mental health week. Okay, so now for my diet culture media moment. Now, one thing I want to say before I get into this next segment is the ACAST platform does not allow for chapter markers like Buzzsprout did. There's definitely some features that I love in Buzzsprout that ACAST doesn't have, and chapter markers is one of them. Um, So I'm sorry about that. I know probably some of you like to skip down to different sections, but Uh, that's just not something that's available right now. So anyway, so my diet culture media moment, so I read this article or I saw this little snippet pop up on social media about how Whitney Port is, you know, too thin. She's admitting she's too thin and that her husband is worried about her. So Whitney Port used to be on a reality show called The Hills. And in that show, she was working for a like some sort of fashion magazine, I believe. And so she's always been into into fashion and that whole world in general, the fashion world is very, you know, disordered in terms of body image, in terms of, you know, the pressure to be thin And and Whitney always looked kind of model-y like she she seemed like she should be a model because she was so tall and so thin just that just seemed to be like her natural body and so of course when I saw this article pop up I had to like go to her Instagram and look and because what she had said in this article was she doesn't she eats to live not the other way around. And so basically, she just eats enough to keep herself alive. (laughs) That's kind of how I took it. Um, But I looked at, I mean, I know you're not supposed to comment on women's bodies, but this is my podcast. So here we are. Uh, She looks, it looks like it's a problem. I mean, go check out her Instagram if you want to see for yourself. But she is like a skeleton, basically. And not, not completely. I mean, she looks like she's... She looks like she's on her way to that. If she doesn't eat more, uh, she is like you could see like her six pack. And of course, all all the comments are: Is anybody else worried? Does anyone else see a, a problem here? Uh, you know, you see some people like, oh, gorgeous, blah blah blah, or you know, some people like, oh, I gotta get to the gym and hit my abs. And but but you can see that, like you can see from her face too that it's. She just has, like, no fat on her body at all, and she's just, you know, kind of skin and bones, and, you know, it's it looks sad. You know, there, she had, a, of course, I deep-dived into her social media, and I'm looking at all these pictures, like these road trips, and, you know, everybody has a donut in front of them except for her, and, you know, I can't imagine that that's a happy place to be. Uh, I'm sure she's getting a lot of attention from this, whether she wants that attention or not, who knows. Uh, but it is a very slippery slope once you kind of get into a pattern like this and you're in kind of a high pressure, uh, you know, job and career like fashion and you're an influencer and are constantly looking at yourself on, on camera. I mean, you do, you start to pick yourself apart. So anyway, I, I wish the, wish her the best. I hope she gets some help or, you know, gets maybe some therapy and starts to eat some more because she definitely, definitely needs to. Uh, One of the things that I looked up was that at the height of her fame, which is not now, right? Like her, the height of her fame was back when she was on the hills. She said that she only ate a thousand calories a day and had never tried pasta. Now this is a girl that could easily eat probably 2000, you know, she's so tall And when you're a tall person, you just, you need more calories. You just do. And I don't know. I just think that, um, you know, the fact that only eating a thousand calories a day, that's, that's, that's obviously intentional, right? So anyway, that's a story I wanted to share, a diet culture media moment. Go check it out if you're interested. Okay now let's get into my anti-aging antics. So I have been being pretty consistent with the neck roller. I'm trying to do it twice a week and what I had to do the last time I did it was after I rolled it and did the microneedling I did put the retinol on and it just gets so itchy. I finally did end up putting a little bit of cream on it after it had, like, I felt like it had a chance to sink in. And that brought a lot of relief. So I think it's just, it's also dryness, like, because you have to clean the area with this. And it's not an alcohol pad. It's, it's, I actually bought more of the Beauty Bio, like, cleansing type pads, because it, the ingredients were phenomenal and it's very gentle on my skin and it really gets any type of, of makeup off before I do this rolling. Um, So, so, but you know, my skin is, I need to, I always need to moisturize. So anyway, so we'll see. I, I do need to take a before picture before I keep doing this anymore so I can get a good sense of like the results after a few months. So I do need to do that. Let me try to remember to do that today. The other thing that I'm considering is kind of like an Invisalign. I think the one that my dentist has is direct smile. So I did have braces back in the day and I didn't have like really crooked teeth or anything like that. I just had a lot of spaces and stupid me. I mean, it was fixed very quickly. Like it didn't take a long time for the braces to like move my teeth together, but then I didn't wear my retainers, of course. So they spread apart very quickly again. So stupid, stupid me. Oh, what a waste of money for my mother, poor, my poor mother. And so now I'm, you know, and it was only really my front teeth that seemed to have a big space at the time, but now my bottom teeth are spreading. And I'm like, now that I'm to, having to do videos and I'm going to have to do a lot more social media soon, I'm just like, I, I don't know. I look at my bottom teeth and they're really annoying me and I feel like it's aging me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Of course, I'm like anal retentive about all things aging. But, you know, it is it is kind of a sign that you're aging when your teeth start to shrink and change. And I don't know. So I don't want veneers. I, the idea of veneers scares the shit out of me because I don't want my teeth worn down to nubs just to put veneers over them. And those are going to cost like two or three times how much Invisalign would cost. So this direct smile thing would be about $4,500. And, um, I mean, I need to, I'm supposed to wear a retainer at night anyway, because I grind my teeth. I'm just worried about, you know, I, I mean, if I invest in it, I will definitely make sure to wear it, but I don't know. It's like, do I want to spend the money? I'm, I'm just deciding. DM me if you have an opinion about this. Have any of you done like the Invisalign type of thing? Is it worth it? You know, what are your thoughts? Do I need it for my tea? I mean, I don't know. I I feel like I do. It's not a huge issue, but I don't know. I just feel like that is an area I'm staring at constantly. So I don't know. The jury's out. Still deciding. Let me know if you have any strong opinions on it by DMing me. All right. Now let's get into my healthy habits of the week segment. So this week has been this week has been good. I mean, I've been working out a lot. I did do a pool workout. I'm, I want to try to get a pool workout at least once a week, just like I'm doing my Pilates Legree method once a week. Um. So I, I it's funny because I I always thought pool workouts, I'm like, oh, I'm going to work out in the pool because I, I, I know it's swimming is a really good workout. But laps are incredibly boring to me. And any time in the past that I ever tried to do a pool workout, I would get in, I would swim around, get bored, and then just get out. Like I just, for some reason, I could not have like a full-blown pool workout. So what I decided to do is the last time I did my pool workout, I just said, okay, just swim. Just don't let your feet touch the ground for 20 minutes. And so that's what I did. So I just kept myself swimming for 20 minutes and that seemed to be a pretty good workout. Then I'd gotten this speedo kickboard and I was like, let me try to figure out how I can use this for a better workout. And what that ended up allowing me to do is kind of like push it under the water, support myself with my core and kick and use the water for resistance. And it ended up, I did that with both my legs and balancing on my stomach for my arm workout. And it was good. It was, it was, I felt really good. I felt like I got great resistance from the water. It was, it was awesome for my joints because my body is like just feeling like when I run too much, I don't know, I've got some, something going on with my hamstring and my hip flexors. I don't know. I need to like really figure out a good, I mean, I've been doing a little bit more foam rolling, but I think I need to do more, maybe watch a video on it. I don't know. My body is just kind of, there's just a a few little areas where I need something that isn't so hard on the joints and specifically the hips and my hamstrings. So that was good. Uh, and then, you know, just working out in the heat with no AC was tough, but, but anyway, so I, I did do have, worked out consistently. I did have a little bit of salmon in the freezer that I made. And so I've been eating a lot of salmon this week, a lot of cucumbers, a lot of eggs. And so again, trying to get more protein, I did end up trying to count how much how many grams of protein like just I just I was curious. You know, on a day where I'm trying to get a little bit more but aren't I know I'm not getting a ton in. So I counted about like on between two days, like one day was probably closer to like 65 and another day maybe closer to 80. But, you know, as you'll see later in this uh, podcast, when I review Mari's, this doctor thinks we should be getting in a gram per body weight. So that would mean I need to get like 130 grams in a day, which is too much for me. This, I mean, come on. That's, for me personally, that's, a, that's so much. I don't know that I could do that. I should try it one day just to see. But anyway, we'll get into that review soon. But overall, I am trying to incorporate more protein. I think when I go to get to the store, I'm going to buy some some red meat, maybe some steak so that I can replace my salmon in the morning, maybe with a little filet mignon. So anyway, definitely just working on the protein intake. But those are my healthy habits of the week. All right, so let's now get into my tasty treats of the week. So this week, let's see, starting from last Thursday when I start to treat myself. I had I went to my favorite restaurant Flower Child. And because, again, I always kind of want to stay a little bit healthy on Thursday. So I ended up getting a Mother Earth bowl, which I've gotten a million times. And I got those Sichuan green beans with the tofu and the ginger. Mm, they're so good. They're actually better cold. So I went there planning on taking them home to eat cold the next day. And then, oh, my God. So I tried this. Now, this isn't the healthiest. Obviously, that's why it's in my Tasty Treats but the so they had had this green chili queso uh with you could either get it with chips or with vegetables and i stuck with the chips because i'm sorry i wanted to dip i, I want i wanted to try this queso forever and i forgot i totally forgot about it the last time i went and then i remembered at this time and i'm like oh yes i'm going to get that and oh, it did not disappoint you guys oh my god it was like, i like i'm a fan of green chili and just that little bit of heat and then queso. And I knew that flower child would have a nice kind of like lighter, healthier version. And so I don't know what they put on top. It was like, I did put a post a picture on my reels uh, on my Instagram at the diet obsessed podcast. If you want to see it, the picture doesn't necessarily do it justice. I think it definitely had some paprika on top and I don't know what else was on there. There was something else on there that was just delicious looking anyway. So I got the chips came around it and I sat there. I actually had a, um, what's it called? Sangria as well. Now I don't think there was much alcohol in the sangria. Let me tell you, I don't think <laughs> I'm never getting a sangria there again. I wanted you know, sangria is like definitely give me a buzz even off of wine because it usually has booze and it has wine. I think their sangria only had wine in it. That's my guess. Anyway, so so okay, dip this chip into this green queso and <clears throat> the creaminess, the cheesiness, the heat slight kind of heat, and that nice flavor from the green chili yum, yum, yum. This was what I was hoping it would be. It was just as delicious as I knew it would be. Yum. So that was really good. And then, so then the next day I decided to cook, uh, Friday I worked and then, uh, Chad had some shrimp, some raw shrimp in the freezer. So I ended up making like that, um, that kind of like Asian dish. I, I sauteed the shrimp and some garlic, a little bit of olive oil, and then I cooked these egg noodles that I had and put them with some black bean sauce and some red chili sauce and this other Asian sauce. And it was spicy and salty and garlicky and extra, extra delicious. And I actually had some of those shrimp left over. Cause again, when I'm eating animal protein, I really like small portions of it. So I had maybe, you know, three shrimp in a, in with my carb, like if I'm having rice with it or I have the noodles with it, like two to three shrimp are plenty for me. Uh, now if they're breaded, I can eat way more, <laughs> but if they're just like not breaded, you know, I want a little bite of shrimp, to a, a slightly larger portion of the starch that's with it or the carp. So so I ended up having like a bunch of shrimp left over. So I cooked some brown rice, had that on Monday and a little bit on Tuesday. So that was good. And then let's see. Then Saturday, I worked all day and then met Chad out. He was with his buddies at a new brewery that they were trying. And so usually breweries have crap food. Usually it's just really bad bar food, and it's dingy, and they don't have good cocktails. And But this place was actually really good. I, I do recommend it if you're visiting Phoenix. It's called 100 Mile Brewing. It's in Tempe. And they had great cocktails. I had this clementine cocktail, and then I had this other one that had, um, it was kind of like a spa-type drink that had cucumber in it. Any drink that has cucumber in it, I'm typically like obsessed with it. So I did end up um, having those couple cocktails and then I, um, and then I just, so the guys had this kind of like one of those charcuterie boards And Chad put like some some of the spicy yellow cheese and they didn't like the olives and I love olives. So they passed those down to me, but I was starving. I'm like, I need carbs (laughs) and and fat. And so, you know, I was, they had a really good menu. I was very impressed, but I, I was just, they had these soft German pretzels with pickles. I mean, I've never seen pickles on the side of um, my hot pretzels. Mm. I had to get it like the pickles, the the cheese, the I'm just, I could eat that probably every single week. Just that soft, you know, chewy, salty pretzel with the beer cheese Mm -hmm. and a little tiny bit of salty pickle. Yum. So good. And I definitely needed something to soak up a little bit of alcohol (laughs) because I had an empty stomach going out there and yeah, the cocktail seeped right in. So then, I mean, I, I, again, I had worked all day. I talked for like five hours straight, then went out to meet them. So we are there for like three hours. And then his friends like wanted to like go back to his friend's house. And, and Chad was just going to be like, yeah, let's just go along. I'm like, no, (laughs) like you go, if you want to, I'm going home. Like I need to just chill. So anyway, I but they ordered another beer and I'm like, okay, then I'm gonna get some more food because I don't want another drink and I know I'm gonna be hungry again soon. And they had this Chad had said how this girl that was with them earlier had ordered the Smash Burger. And of course, the word smash burger has me right away. So I ended up ordering the Smash Burger. It was like a double patty, not that I want that. I took one patty off, but I ended up getting those with a side of fries. And I did get a piece of pecan turtle cheesecake to go because I needed something sweet. So I didn't even eat any of that there. I just took it to go because I knew as soon as I get home, I'd want to, you know, do a little comfort eating, a little chill. So that's exactly what I did. And it was fabulous. It was okay. I mean, the the burger actually was not that great. I mean, it was okay. It was, I'd give it a six on a scale of one to 10. Not like my Spash burger, which gets like a 9.7. I'm not going to give it a 10 because there's always room for improvement. Um, Okay. So, and the fries were okay. The fries almost had like a nutmeg or something, almost like a, some sort of uh, sweet spice almost. I don't know. It was a little weird, but it was fine. Uh, And then let's see, what else did I eat? Then we went to, so on Sunday, it was Chad's sister's birthday. So we went to a pizza place called Grimaldi's, which is pretty famous in Arizona. I've only been there once. And I think I made the mistake of getting the deep dish, which because I don't have, I never had good memories of Grimaldi's. So, but this time, so I was starving when we got there. And very anxious to get my food. We finally got our food. And his family just ordered a bunch of like big pies. And the one that I need to tell you guys about was the white pizza. So it's just like cheese and garlic. And when I pick this slice up, okay, I haven't posted a picture of it yet. I will very soon. You pick the pizza up and the whole slice just sticks straight out in the air. That is my kind of pizza. Okay. It's very rare to get it like that, but when you get that and you can just crunch into it, oh yes, it is the best. It's kind of like a New York style, like super thin, super crispy. And then this one just had like that salty, garlicky, <clears throat> so, so, so good. ugh, yum. So we had that, we had some Caesar salad, we had some bruschetta, So, a very carb loaded weekend. Luckily, I worked out every single day, so it helped to balance it. And yeah, so back to balance this week lots of healthy habits. And let's see, so tonight we're actually uh, taking my friend KK, it's her birthday, so we're going to go to a fancy Italian restaurant, and I can't wait to talk to you about what I eat there. So stay tuned for more Tasty Treats of the Week next week after my indulgent weekend. All right, so let's get into my review of Pursuit of Wellness from Mari Llewellyn, now, I have done one of these reviews before of her show. I think I've only done one, but I do really like Mari. She's Before she started her own podcast, I had reviewed her on another podcast because she has that great story of having lost 90 pounds, and she has that beautiful English accent. So if you want even more details, like this was another one of those super, super detailed science-based uh, episodes, not quite the, the on the level of Joel Green, but this Dr. Paul Saldino. Saladino, I'd be curious if any of you have heard uh, about this MD and what your opinions are of him. I, I'm especially curious on uh, from my listener who referred Joel Green to me, what she thinks of this gentleman, if she's heard of him. But he's one of one of the leading experts and authorities on the science and application of the animal-based diet. Now, before I get into this, I just want to caveat it with some of the stuff that he says completely contradicts some of the stuff from Dr. William Liu that I reviewed a couple episodes ago. And so here you have... Two renowned physicians, researchers, Dr. Liu is a a scientist and actually does uh, clinical trials, and they both are saying contradictory things. So, you know, I think uh, it's interesting to juxtapose this, but I think you know, take all this information with a grain of salt, do your own research, listen to your own body and do what's right for you. I do like to hear different perspectives and I like to glean information that I feel like works for me. And I, I am curious about different ways of eating and different results you can obtain from, from that style of eating. Uh, now, Dr. Saladino, Dr. Paul, I'm just going to call him Dr. Paul. He kind of was like known as the carnivore doctor for a while. And as you'll see throughout this episode, he's very extreme. Okay. And that's why maybe he's not really like, he's not my, he's not my cup of tea necessarily. I did Again, I just said, I'm going to go buy red meat and and eat some steak in the morning (laughs) instead of, you know, so I I think I do get influenced by some of this. I absolutely believe in some of the stuff he says. Uh, And I, and I looked up some of the stuff he said, I'm like, let me just research that real quick. Let me Google it. And, and a lot of it, you know, I mean, there's merit to all of it. Right. But I think there's also um, there's difference of opinion. There's, there's contradicting research out there. And then you have to consider people's personal genetics. So anyway, so I just wanted to preface that a little bit before I get into this episode. Okay, so so Mari had him on and she was really curious about his diet. And she's like, you know, my husband and I have been experimenting with this diet. You know, why do you eat this way? And Dr. Paul said that nutrition is really not taught in medical school but he was always interested in the way in food because it can shape us. And he's like he always was kind of curious about you know what's that formula that allows us to thrive at our best. And he's like, most species throughout the world have a specific diet that allows them to function at their best. And and he's like, there's, of course, there'll be some variation, but how many varieties can there be? You know, uh, gastration analogy, wait, oh, he then he, he, he gave this analogy of like when you're going to a gas station, you know, if you're driving like a Mercedes SL or whatever, you know, are you going to put in... Uh, the premium, or are you going to take, put the regular in that could damage the engine? And so he, he thinks of diet from this perspective. He said he also thinks about diet as it relates to his own autoimmune issues. So he's, he told his story that his dad was also a doctor. His mom was a nurse. And so basically he's like, that means I was very over-medicated as a child. He's like, I also had asthma, asthma, I had eczema, He's like, in the way that my parents treated that was a bunch of inhalers and theophylline and applesauce, which is basically like caffeine, and it dilates the bronchioles and the lungs. He's like, in college, I would have eczema flares, and they would treat it with steroids. He's like, I would feel so horrible. And there was really no correlation that my diet could be causing this. You know, I was eating like a typical kid in college would eat. He's like, then I went to medical school and still had eczema. And it was around this time I started thinking about nutrition and making changes to my diet. He was like, at the time I was eating organic paleo. And I started thinking, what am I eating that's causing this autoimmune issue to flare? Because I imagined it was probably affecting other things in my body. So I was like, how do I think about this? Is it milk? Is it pasteurized milk? Is it vegetables? Is it Chocolate? Is it meat? Like What's going on here? So I started here and evolved in my residency. He's like, I had another huge flare. And I was thinking, maybe it's these mushroom extracts I was eating. He's like, I was consuming like lion's mane and chaga, but in in really high doses. He's like, so I could tell that this might be affecting me and started me thinking along those lines, Uh, you know, just all of this plant foods, Of, of is all this plant food ideal and fully healthy for humans? You know, then you fall down this rabbit hole of, I don't think a lot of people are aware that not all plant food is fully healthy for all humans. You know, many plants contain things that make them unsafe for us. Things like oxalates, which can bind to minerals like calcium in the kidneys and form kidney stones. Uh, that's the most common kidney stone, actually. For most people, these compounds are usually removed in the urine. However, the accumulation of these compounds may occur in some people, which can lead to those kidney stones. That's, I I looked that up. I was curious about oxalates specifically and and how they affect humans. Then he talked about saponins. Uh, And I looked up saponins, which are a diverse and complex in structure and have shown So there was a little, there were some benefits to saponins, and then there were some potential issues with saponins. So he was basically saying that, um, you know, saponins are found in a lot of foods that that people consume. And what I researched is that saponins are diverse and complex instruction have shown effective anti-cancer potential in various cancer cell lines by inhibiting cell growth and by inducing apoptosis saponins can also disrupt epithelial function in a manner similar to lectins and cause gastrointestinal issues like leaky gut syndrome. And things like legumes, soybeans, uh, lentils all have a lot of saponins. Um, They can be digestive enzyme inhibitors. Uh, so, So basically he's, so they're And that's what he's he's talking about, is that saponins can cause gut issues. And there is evidence of that. I did research that. He's like, but because everyone is genetically different, some people can detoxify from these things, but other people can't. He's like, this is really valuable information if someone's struggling with an issue that isn't getting fixed. So just a side note on this, I, I actually think that that's really where... His science and his approach to wellness is absolutely something to pay attention to if you have an issue. Right. Like my friend Linnell, who's probably listening right now, you know, she has some gastrointestinal stuff that she's trying to figure out, you know, and and she's looking at Joel Green and she's looking at, you know, I I just referred her to to this doctor or to, to research him because she's just she's really working hard to improve her health and to try to figure out what's going on with her gut health. And I think that's really smart and and something that, you know, if you are really in touch with your body, you can experiment with different foods, cutting them out, adding them back in, especially if you have a really structured diet and you can see, you know, what's, what's affecting you. So getting back to the podcast, Dr. Paul said that too many people tell me stories about going to their doctor because they're struggling with an autoimmune disease like Crohn's or psoriasis. And the doctor prescribes them a steroid or tells them that they need surgery to remove part of their colon. And they're like, uh, first I'm going to see if changing my diet can help. (laughs) And a lot of times the diet resolves their issues. So, and, and look, this is always an issue with modern medicine, I think. Like I had a cannabis client who... She had this really simple issue, this neurodegenerative, or she had a neurological issue that could have been helped by simple cannabis, and whatever they gave her for pharmaceuticals ended up paralyzing her. So, you know, it's, it's, and I've seen so many cases of this, of people that have been over-medicated by traditional Western medicine, and the the actual pharmaceuticals that they were given caused more harm than their original issue. So, um, so I, I 1000% believe that some people's issues can be solved just by changing their diet. I do. I also agree with that. Um, like I had cannabis clients that would, they had to have vegan because animal products would trigger their health condition. So it it goes opposite too, right? Like he's preaching the, the benefits of animal products, but with some genetic profiles that will actually trigger major health concerns. So it is important to really look at your body and really understand it and, and, uh, and understand what, what is affecting you. Uh, and so he said, and I always say, you know, did you go back to your, oh, so, so he's talking about people that, you know, their doctor was like, oh, we need to do surgery. And they're like, uh, let me just try changing some diet first. And, and, and it works right with, with some of these people. And Dr. Paul's like, uh, do do you go back and tell your doctor like that, you know, tell them that this helped you? Because I'd be like, what the fuck? You were going to operate on me. Um, Mari, getting back to Mari, she said, it's interesting that you're a doctor because, you know, your lifestyle seems very contradictory to the typical Western medicine type of MD and what they typically tell people to do. And that is very true. I actually was thinking that he was probably a naturopath um, because he knows so much about plant science. But he's he's an MD and, and usually MDs don't know as much about plant science and and nutrition. So he is he is a unique doctor. So Dr. Paul's like, absolutely. He's like, this is why it's fun. He's like, on the flip side of that, I talk about my belief that, you know, red meat from animals like cattle, sheep, antelopes uh, deer that, that nest in general, including the organs are the most essential food for humans, uh, while Western medicine says the exact opposite, you know, so it's interesting to discuss why Western doctors think red meat should be limited. Then Mari said, there's a misconception that eating meat is a masculine thing to do. She's like, some people think it raises testosterone. Some people think it causes acne, so this is important to talk about. She's like, 95% of my audience is women. And women are often afraid to eat red meat or or animal-based. So what would you say to them? And Dr. Paul said, the main side effects from eating red meat are healthy libido, libido fertility, good skin, normalizing regularity in periods, more muscle mass, which tends to lead to weight loss, I mean, why do you think why do you think it's hard for women to eat meat? Do they think it's gonna make them more masculine or muscular and not attractive to men? Maurice said that from my own experience, I've had acne for such a long time. I've been to so many doctors. She's like the first question is that they ask me is, how much meat do you eat? And do you work out too much? So, you know, I've been told over and over that I live in a very masculine way. And that's, you know, through the media, social media, doctors, we're told that it's a masculine way to live life. But I've gone against the grain on that. I feel my best and look my best when I eat high fat, a lot of protein, low carb. And my husband basically does the same thing. She's like, I also think hormonal health is really important. And there just seems to be an epidemic between women taking birth control, and things like Accutane, and just other things that can affect hormones. So this diet you speak of, do you think it's very beneficial to women as as well as men? And Dr. Paul said, absolutely. There's a difference in macros and quantities of carbs and protein, of course. You know, women might not eat as much meat as a man, uh, you know, it's based on lean muscle mass. A, a good measurement is one gram of protein for every pound of body weight. Um, that's a measurement I give people to, you know, show them a, a, a basic measurement of, of how much, how many grams of protein to eat in a day. So if a woman weighs 100 pounds, she should get in 100 grams of protein from quality sources. And animal protein is the most bioavailable, you know, much more bioavailable than, than plant protein. If you're getting it from plants, you're most likely using a highly processed pea protein or a hemp protein, which might have a ton of additives. It's just not a great way to get your protein in. Or if you're eating a ton of rice and beans, I mean, that could lead to GI issues. If you're getting your protein from an animal, whether you're a man or a woman, Makes so much more sense because you get all these other nutrients that aren't found in plants. You know, where does someone get creatine that helps your brain and muscles? I mean, creatine has been studied so much for performance enhancing. You know, even if women are just doing yoga and Pilates, creatine will benefit you. It helps you think more clearly, it helps you raise your kids. It makes vegetarians smarter when we give it to them in studies. And that's just one nutrient. You know, then there's choline, which helps babies form. So yeah, I mean, you can get a tiny bit in broccoli, but nothing compared to egg yolks or liver or meat. You know, then there's taurine. There's, you know, there's, you know, which is huge for healthy aging. There's carnitine. You know, the list just goes on and on. And so, you know, you can tell just one source of protein is clearly better. And look, ethics matter. Of course, we want animals raised correctly, grass-fed, you know, it's it's a valid concern. But people, but, you know, some people believe in the circle of life and that every being has a purpose. And what better purpose than to, you know, to fulfill your being a a nutrient source for humans that's basically what I derived from what he's saying um Mari said so but you were vegan at one point right and Dr. Paul was like yeah for seven months I was a raw vegan now this is where this guy sounds like very extreme a raw vegan not even just a vegan a raw vegan now that is intense right So Mari's like, how did you feel during that time period? You know, what did your blood work look like? Can you talk about, you know, how it changed after starting to eat more meat? Dr. Paul said, when I was a vegan, he goes, I had 25 pounds less of muscle mass. You know, and I'm a very lean guy. Like right now I'm 170 pounds. I'm moderately muscular. But when I was a vegan, I lost a ton of lean muscle mass. And Mario's like, well, what did you eat during that time? And he said, I would go to Whole Foods and get like two heads of kale. And I would get them for a few days. So I'd actually buy six heads of kale. People, the checkout lady would be like, what are you making? (laughs) He's like, I would eat raw fruits and vegetables. So I would have two kale smoothies every day, sprouted nuts. I ended up with a ton of gas. I would be just super bloated. You know, I had lots of GI issues. Um, with just consuming so many plants, I was also running at the time, my performance running suffered, my sleep suffered, my eczema was still bad, but it was none of that that really shook me out of that perspective. It was actually a girl that I wanted to date. So what happened was I went over to a friend's house and they wanted to set me up with this girl who was a nurse and after the night was over i asked my friend the next day if she liked me and he was like no she thinks you're too skinny dude and so now that i look back i i mean i was too skinny i had my own i had my own kind of body dysmorphia thinking that i needed to be skinnier for running and so you know that desire to procreate really shook me out of that phase Then I started learning more about meat eating and how our ancestors ate a lot of meat. So it's really in our DNA. You know, the the anthropological histories shows the way we've evolved um, and through learning to hunt. And you can see in history that our brain grew exponentially larger after we started eating meat. So a hypothesis is that eat Eating meat enhanced our growth as sapiens and helped us evolve into humans. So Mari's like, well, what is the biggest issue with plants and plant-based diets? Why is it resulting in autoimmune issues in some people and lower muscle mass in others? And Dr. P said there's two main issues. There's toxins, and then there's just not enough bioavailability of nutrients. Um, You know, he's like, have you ever hunted? And Mari's like, "Uh, no, do I look like I hunt? (laughs) She's like, I mean, maybe I'd be open to it after listening to you and Joe Rogan talk about hunting. And, you know, he goes on this, you know, talking about how it's it's the spiritual and, you know, knowing where your meat food comes from. And, you know, it's incredible how nutrient dense they are. And he's like, it just evokes this, the sense of gratitude, you know, in order for something to live, something must die, you know, how How can I do the most good in the world? Uh, Believe he's saying... Oh, yeah. he's Again, he's talking about how the animals basically giving their life for nourishment for us. And that's part of the circle of life. Um, He's like, animals can run away from you when you're hunting them. He goes... But a plant can't. A plant just has to stay there. So a plant has to create toxins as a method of defense. So, you know, plants continue to evolve and so do the animals that eat them. It's like this plant-animal-chemical warfare that's been going on for hundreds of thousands of years. You know, these chemicals are really never talked about and they're potentially problematic today. You know, we eat plants today without any regard for that. For example, poinsettia leaves. I was always taught as a child not to eat them because they're incredibly toxic. You know, you'll actually die if you eat them. Just like people have died from eating rhubarb leaves. Just there's so many oxalates. And I actually do remember, you know, side note from the podcast, I I was also told as a child not to eat the poinsettia leaves. I do vividly remember that my mom like drilling that into my head because we'd always have poinsettias at Christmas. Uh, not to eat the leaves because it'll kill me. but um, but you know he he uses words like potentially problematic, right? because he's very aware that eating plants is really good for some people and that some people have no issues or GI issues eating plants at all. So I think, uh, but I actually do think it's an interesting point to talk about the chemicals that plants uh produce as a defense mechanism. I've never thought about it that way. And I, I do think that that's kind of fascinating to think about. Uh, so anyway, getting back, back to what Dr. Paul's talking about, he said, you know, just like some people have died from eating sorrels, uh, which is a green found in the wilderness. You know, we all know that there's mushrooms out there that can be very poisonous. And most moms aren't letting their kids roam around the woods and, you know, eating plants. You know, we just assume that that, you know, there's going to be poisonous stuff out there, but we also assume that the stuff in our grocery store is safe and they don't have toxins. And that's a complete myth. Um, you know, they can build up in some people and cause issues. So then Mari wanted to talk about saponins, which can be found in quinoa and oats. So then he talked about how, well, actually, I think that's, that's what I actually looked up so it says saponins can bind cholesterol and thus interfere with cell growth and division while drugs have side effects many of them serious saponins are safe so this is what it said on google he said there and and then also there is little possibility that a person can overdose on saponins from eating vegetables saponins decrease blood lipids lower cancer risks and lower blood glucose response a high saponin diet can be used in the inhibition of dental caries and platelet aggregation in the treatment of hypercalcuria in humans and as an antidote against acute lead poisoning. And they're also tied to leaky gut. So it's interesting. I, I think with a lot of things, there can be harmful components about it, and then there can be benefits, Right. So, you know, again, everybody's genetic profile is very interesting. And so it sounds like for some people it can help, um, you know, it's, it, they're safe and they can lower blood glucose response and lower cancer risks. But in other people, they can cause leaky gut. So it's interesting. Um, he, Dr. Paul said the oatmeal is bad because it has glyph- glyphosate, which is a pesticide that damages the gut. He's like, you could get organic, but it still has saponins and they are resistant to cooking because they are a plant defense chemical. And he said in cultures where grain diets lead and and there's almost no meat, you can really see all kinds of nutrient deficiencies like iron and zinc. So Maris said, you mentioned reishi mushrooms. Uh, earlier, and I'm curious about that because I drink coffee every day that has these mushrooms in it. So are you like anti-rishi or anti-mushrooms? Uh, and Dr. Paul said, you know, I noticed some issues when I started taking large doses of it. And mushrooms are interesting because they are delicious. He said the question with a lot of these plant foods are, are do the benefits outweigh the risks? You know, can we make that calculus? Can we observe how we feel with these? You know, what I've heard from some individuals is that too many mushrooms can trigger the immune system, which makes sense because they, they have these peptides in them that mimic aspects of the immune system. Therefore, we have to ask ourselves, can mushrooms trigger autoimmune issues in certain individuals? And the answer for me is, was Yes. Uh, And Mari said, that's interesting. You know, I can really relate to your eczema story because I really struggle with acne. And it's been my whole life, ever since I was like, you know, 19 or 20. And the way I found you on this journey to try to heal my skin, I found you on my journey to heal my skin and to try to figure out what's happening with this acne. And when I was researching it, the carnivore diet kept coming up. And then I heard you say that acne is just an autoimmune response. And so Dr. Paul said, acne is absolutely autoimmune. It's not enough. It's, it's not that your face isn't clean enough or clear enough. And Mari Mari is just like, right, like I, I, I use skincare three times a day. I feel like I'm a very healthy individual. And I'd say the way I eat, I'm probably closer to paleo organic kind of diet. And lately I've, I have been trying to incorporate more organs here and there. I am really curious to, to pick your brain about acne. And Dr. Paul said that when you're the type of person, she, he said, you're the type of person I hope the content will reach. He goes, because you know, it could be just that you know, one thing that you have in your diet could be causing your acne, you know, just like some people with kale or, you know, other people, you know, have an issue with almonds. And, you know, if you can just eliminate that one food product for a few weeks to see if that's what's causing your issues, and then it's not. And then if it's not, just incorporate it back in you know, that's really where I get excited because I know people can see real changes just by eliminating, you know, one of those specific foods. And he's like, the fact is there are foods that can trigger autoimmune responses in people. You know, if you look at the actual genesis of acne, it is very complex, But in med school, you know, we had no idea. We just thought it was caused by a bacteria. And I mean, of course, yes, we know there's bacteria there. But why isn't our immune system treating it properly like it does the rest of the issues in our body? You know, Western medicine always wants to treat it with antibiotics antibiotics, but there's a huge difference between the terrain theory and the germ theory. And this really is, in my opinion, is where Western medicine goes wrong. You know, so often we fear germs. And of course, there's things like MRSA and and now, you know, we the newly COVID-19 we had to deal with. And, you know, what we did learn through that was that the health of the human was absolutely critically important. You know, we're going to interact with germs and bacteria, and the healthier our body is, the hel- the more we can fight, fight these things off. And it's when our immune system isn't working properly, you know, when people are metabolically unwell, that's when they have a harder time fighting off disease. You know, perhaps pathogens are not what we need to worry about. It's more about what's happening with your body you know it's very convenient for modern medicine to want to treat it with something that they sell versus something that you're already eating which doesn't cost anything so and and all that it does it does make a lot of sense I understand what he's saying with that and so mari's like walk me through a typical day of eating for you so i love this of course i love the details about the diet and the eating so dr paul said i get up i go surfing i live in costa rica I have some raw milk, maybe a little honey. Then for a snack, I have some fruits. So, you know, I'm completely vegetarian for, you know, the first part of my day. Then I, I'll i come home, maybe have some coconut. Then I might have come home and eat some meat. You know, usually I'll have some grass-fed beef, usually about, you know, three quarters, of, uh, three quarters to a half a pound. You know, I might do steak or hamburger, uh, grass-fed. He goes, then I might eat some organs. You know, maybe a half ounce of organs. I've, I wish she had asked how he cooks those organs. I bet he doesn't. You know, bread them and fry them like a chicken nugget the way I would. <laughs> but I am curious how he how he eats those organs. She didn't ask him that, um, or how he prepares them. Anyway, so then after his organs. Then he does some fresh squeezed orange juice and he's like, I have a juicer. So, and then he's like, I repeat a lot of these things, you know, I might have some raw cheese or some more raw milk with honey later in the afternoon. Uh, And then maybe some more meat, like another burger in the afternoon for lunch and then for more fruit for snack, then dinner is more meat because maybe a pound of steak grass-fed, you know, maybe some lamb, and then maybe some additional raw dairy and fruit. Okay, so side note, this sounds very depressing. <laughs> I, If I had to, like, work all day and all I get at the end of the day is a pound of meat, I'm not going to be a happy camper. Now, if it's a beautiful filet, okay, I can, you know, but I would want a sauce. I want, a, like, a rosemary, wine sauce, mm. and... I would want a baked potato or you know maybe a little salad on the side, maybe some asparagus. Uh some kind of, you know, but just having a piece of meat. At least he sounds like he he eats good quality meat. You know, that carnivore lady that I said, I mean she literally take like a pound of chuck beef from Walmart and stick it in still formed like the package. Like that's, that's really gross me out. I mean, what he's eating, it's just, it's so like I, she didn't ask him if he ever eats processed food, like Dr. Paul, like, what do you, you know, do you ever eat candy? Do you ever eat chips? Like I, I would love to know. He's got, he can't be perfect diet all the time. Maybe he is. I don't know. It's just, it's so hard for me to believe, but there are people out there like that. Uh, so I would be curious. Maybe it'll be in part two, because this is part one. So then Mari said, I know you're big on no coffee. So why is that? A bunch of people are going to hate you in my audience, but why, do, why are you against coffee? And so, and, and again, here's where he's contradicting Dr. Liu. Dr. Liu said that coffee like takes eight years off your life. Organic coffee, of course. So Dr. Paul said, I would love to like get these two in the same room and and see how they answer this question. Like, is coffee good for you or is coffee bad for you? Like Dr. Liu, Dr. Saladino, let's let's debate here. Uh so Dr. Paul said, here's the issue with coffee. It's a seed from a plant. The seeds are some of the most protected parts of the plant. He says, and nuts fall into this category. Nuts, seeds, grains, legumes. You know, these are all seeds that start out getting planted in the ground. And coffee beans are one of the most protected seeds that exist. He said, in fact, caffeine is actually a chemical for defense. He said, in the doses we have it, Like general for Americans, he said it reinforces eating the bean because of the way caffeine affects dopamine in the brain. And who knows why this is, but it's a problematic thing for humans, mainly in the way that it affects sleep. He said the life of caffeine is 10 to 12 hours. So if you drink a cup of coffee at 8 or 9 a.m., a lot of people are even waiting 90 minutes after they wake up to have their coffee. And an average cup of coffee has 150 to 200 milligrams of caffeine per cup. So if you just have one cup a quarter, if you just have one cup, a quarter of that caffeine is still going to be left in your body, affecting your brain and the way it tries to get to sleep. So if you have coffee at 9 a.m., you still have about 50 milligrams in your body. So, I mean, how does this affect sleep stages? You know, when what I just mentioned is people that only have one cup of coffee, you know, with what is really common is some people have a cup of eight, then a cup at 10, then maybe have another one at one or two in the afternoon. So if you're going to bed at 10 and you've had all this coffee, you've got a lot of caffeine in your system and it absolutely is going to affect your sleep architecture he said, there's a lot of things we can do that, that do affect sleep architecture. He's like alcohol consumption. He's like cannabis. He said benzodiazepines. All of these fe- affect our sleep patterns negatively, even though we think that some of them affect us positively, they, they all change sleep architecture. And the body wants us to go into non-REM and REM sleep. And as much as we think these things are helping us get better quality of sleep, it's not. I would love to see how much research he's done on cannabis, because I, I wonder if he's read the research on sleep and cannabis. Um, I've read quite a bit of this research, and I'd like to disagree with the quality of sleep. Uh, but I will say that a lot of these patients that were studied had chronic health conditions. You know, for me, I have an anxiety disorder, for sure. And I do need something that, like, shuts my brain off at the end of the day. So... You know, if I cut all caffeine out of my diet, if I ate all organic and whole foods and blah, 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 like, would I have better sleep? I don't know. I still feel like I would worry and have that anxious mind and ruminate on the conversations that I had during the day. So, I mean, he's speaking for some people. You know, maybe he's not speaking from people that have sleep disorders or, you know, anxiety disorders or other things where they use cannabis as a medicine. Um, but anyway, that's he lost me a little bit with that. But of course, because I'm pro cannabis and I'm in the industry and of course have my own biases towards that. But I would like to ask him how much research he's done on that matter. Anyway, Mari's like, how do you feel about decaf coffee? And Paul's like, well, decaf has much less caffeine, so, you know, you're doing something better for your body, but, you know, it still has issues because, you know, it's still a seed and there are they, they're, they're things such as mold toxins. And Mari's like, that's what's really scaring me. I feel like everything's moldy. And Dr. Paul's like, a lot of grains are moldy because you also get mold on oats and this is another reason to not eat oatmeal. You know, even if it's organic, you could still have this issue. And Mari's like, I feel like shit when I eat oatmeal. She's like, I, I'm i just going to say that. But, you know, it was huge in the fitness industry. So, you know, for a while I was trying to eat these protein oats because uh, I kind of wanted to be like in the trend, but they made me feel awful. And Dr. Paul's like, well, that's great that you're aware enough to notice how you're feeling when you consumed that because you know so many people have so many different inputs you know they're consuming things all over the place that could potentially affect them and they really don't know what's making them feel bad you know they're up scrolling on TikTok till two in the morning you know maybe it's the donut they ate that day or you know it could be a million other things Uh, and Mari's like a lot of people are really checked out from their bodies and once you become really aware about what you're intaking, then you do start to notice differences in how you feel. And Dr. Paul said the goal is definitely to get to the point where you can really check in with your body, especially if you get it down to, you know, hour by hour, you know, you can really say, okay, all of a sudden, you know, I was feeling really good. And all of a sudden, I I, I hit a wall, you know, what did I just eat? Was it the cinnamon roll? Did I just eat some lentils? Or did I just eat meat? you know, that didn't make me feel good. You know, maybe you have a, a Wi-Fi router next to your head. So obviously he has some, some issues with Wi-Fi. He said the least problematic coffee is a wet processed coffee, which is supposed to limit the mold and, you know, make sure that you're drinking decaf. But, you know, you're still going to get some toxins. Uh, and, you know, it's it's just going to happen because of the way that the beans are roasted. So, you know... You also could get some anti-nutrients. But overall, if you are using decaf and you're using wet processed, you're drinking the safest coffee possible. But, you know, who does that? <laughs> who who goes to that extent? And, and who even drinks decaf coffee? Mari's like, I do. And Dr. Paul's like, Why? <laughs> And Mari's like, I just have really bad reactions to caffeine. You know, a very anxious person, so it affects me in a really negative way. But I've also, you know, I I I have had some lab work done lately, and I had a lot of, uh, I did have mycotoxins in the system, so I know I've been consuming mold from somewhere, and. And Paul's like, Doctor Paul's like, do you like the taste of the decaf coffee, or you know, why do you actually drink it if it doesn't, you know, give you energy? Is it the taste? And Mari's like, yeah, I do like the taste. I also think it's the social aspect. You know, I work in an office where people are constantly drinking coffee, and I kind of want to be part of that. Uh, So, so what would be a, a good alternative? Goat milk? And, and Dr. Paul's like, well, if you want something warm, maybe bone broth, maybe warm raw milk with honey. And then Mari had a question about fruit. She's like, there was a time when I almost went all carnivore. I was eating mostly meat. It was, you know, I'd have meat for breakfast, lunch and dinner, and I would also have some fruit. But what I realized is that I, I felt like I was having these blood sugar spikes when I would eat the fruit and I would have brain fog after I ate the fruit and honey and so i don't know i just felt like it was irritating my skin and i don't know if it's because i'm sensitive to sugar or i'm a woman but i just kind of wanted to get your take on it you know how do you control blood sugar with this diet and and dr paul was like that's interesting cuz for me it doesn't bother me so i'm just kind of trying to troubleshoot in my mind what else it could have been you know like well, is it a gut flora issue you know if honey or fruit is flaring up your skin I wonder if there's something in your gut, like that, that the sugar's feeding, uh, for someone without GI issues, the fruit and honey can be great, but if it's affecting you in a negative way, you know, maybe there's something you need to figure out first, and maybe it's not the best thing for you. You know, maybe there's something better for your carbohydrate intake, but you, you should always think gut first. You know, the probiotic space is very complicated. You know which one to take in order to address the issues. It's it's almost impossible to know. You know I love simple throwback evolutionary solutions like probiotics from raw milk. You know because taking antibiotics throughout our lives definitely messes up our gut, and if you've taken a lot, a solution could be raw dairy. And Mari's like, I'm really scared of, of that, actually, because I was raised in the UK. So I, I grew up on raw dairy. You know, we would have glass bottles delivered every day. And I think it's one of the reasons that I never got sick. So I, I do have a very strong immune system, but I've always been told that dairy could affect my skin negatively and trigger my acne. And, and Dr. Paul said, well, I'd run an experiment because I, I don't think it will. And Marius, like, well, if it, if I get a breakout from testing this, I'm coming for you. And Doctor Paul's like, well, it's worth knowing. And look, here's the difference between raw and pasteurized dairy. Pasteurized milk is heated, so you know when you heat milk, it does change a lot of the protein structures in the milk. And there's proof that 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 can, they can contain changes um, in the, especially in the whey protein. And, you know, that appears to cause issues for humans or at least reduce the benefits of the milk. So, you know, I wish I had drank it earlier when I was a kid because there's evidence that kids who drank unpasteurized milk have less or or are less prone to asthma and eczema and allergies. You know, I would bet that raw dairy wouldn't trigger it, but, but maybe pasteurized would. Um, You know, I just believe very much in anecdotal evidence and that, you know, people do have have talked about how they've had a very different experience using pasteurized. You know, overall, I wish we could do a full-blown clinical trial. Maybe someday we will. But at least anecdotally, there have been, there has been some evidence. Um, But then Mari is like, I just want to read a, a statement from the CDC That says that raw milk may contain harmful bacteria and germs like E. coli and salmonella. Like, why are they saying that? And Dr. Paul was like, well, I'm sure historically that it's showing some truth. You know, milk used to always be sold raw until the 1920s. You know, back in that day, that's when milk consumption went way up and they were milking the cows. And at the same time, they were, the cows were like defecating and urinating. And so, yeah, I mean, some of that probably got in the milk. The reality is that there's a lot of raw foods like raw vegetables and seafood that, that may contain bacteria and toxins. Uh, you know, there's, there's always a risk when you're eating anything raw. Um, you know, And then he kept talking about the specific farm that he partners with, and they wash their cows before they, they milk them, and then they test all of the raw milk after. He's like, so consumers would be very safe using this specific brand, Um and, you know, some people need to be extra cautious when consuming raw dairy, like pregnant mothers, for example. You know, that is something that we're taught in medical school, that raw dairy for pregnant women could be problematic, because if they get listeria, that would be a huge issue. So you do need to know the sourcing, and and just understand that there are going to be risks if you're consuming raw food, and there are certain demographics that should just stay away just as a cautionary uh, practice. And... And Mari's like, well, now let's move into nut milks. She's like, a lot of people are obsessed with nut milk. You know, there's almond, there's oat, there's coconut. And I specifically wanted to ask you about coconut. You know, I'm curious about this brand. Uh, It's called Native Harvest. You know, I know you're big into coconuts. So Dr. Paul wanted to look at the ingredients. And the ingredients were organic coconut, filtered water, and organic guar gum. And he said that the trials on xanthem gum are pretty benign. He's like, but why do we need to use a thickening agent for for our, our for our drink? He goes, I mean, could that affect the gut? We really don't know. He goes, and overall co- coconuts are seeds and they do have defense chemicals. So if you're eating the coconut milk, then that will be more problematic uh, than, than the actual just meat of the coconut. And so that could potentially uh, affect your digestion. But I made my own coconut milk back in the day. It did affect my stomach. But when I fermented it, that seemed to digest much better. So Mari's like, I think I'm going to go ahead and try some raw dairy. Would you suggest that I start with goat milk? And Dr. Paul's like, yeah, sure. That's a good place to start. They do have that at Arewan. Uh, You know, nut milks are seed-based, which is an issue for all the reasons we mentioned earlier. You know, almonds contain gigantic. J- digestive enzyme inhibitors. Some have seed oils. You know, there's all a, a series of case studies on kids having all kinds of health issues because of almond milk. You know, so the main message here is we don't want to irritate our gut and, and, and unnecessarily uh, it create issues by consuming these problematic foods that can cause all these gut issues. You know, the gut health is so, so, so important. So, you know, he focuses heavily on the gut just like Joel Green does, you know, I am, it's funny because, you know, as I reflect back on this episode, I mean, the amount of protein he, he would want like someone like me and, and my body weight to eat. I mean, I just, I would, if I ate that one day, I'd probably, I'd be choking it down at night. Like there's no way I could eat, you know, if I'm dividing it into three meals, if I'm eating, you know, 40 grams of, of animal protein per meal, that is an insane amount of protein. I would be choking it down later. Like, I just physically, my body does not want that much animal protein. It just doesn't. Now, could I consume some from, you know, whey protein and and some other sources in in forms of shakes? Absolutely. But, um, and I've never been, you know... I remember when the whole dairy like they demonized dairy. And I I was always like I handle dairy just fine. I can eat ice cream. I've never seen any changes in my skin. So, you know, I have a lot of friends around me that are like non-dairy and and you know, they kind of act all high and mighty about it and I'm just like I handle dairy just fine. I don't see a need to cut it out of my diet. And actually, we saw in some people that a little bit of dairy helped with weight loss when I was in the weight loss industry. So, and we actually sold L-carnitine supplements. So him mentioning carnitine as being uh, something in animals that is, is beneficial, we sold it to help uh, shrink, you know, th- that's what they would say is that it can help shrink the fat cells. Now, again, there's there's more science behind that. But uh, anyway, it's just, it's interesting to hear some of his theories on these things. I mean, overall, you can see that he's been very extreme. I mean, he's still extreme. And and when he tried the vegan way of eating, he was raw vegan. Now, what if he just had a nice balance of everything, right? Of uh, vegetables and protein. I mean, that's, again, that's what works for me. I love vegetables. I would never eat mainly meat. I, I do want a balance of both. Uh, so... I guess my biggest takeaway is that I'm just going to eat a little bit more red meat, but and I, I think I will experiment trying to get 130 grams of protein in one day. I will try that for you guys maybe this week, and I'll report back. Maybe if I can if I can get it done next week because I am going to go buy some beef, uh, some filet mignon, and I'll buy some rotisserie chicken, and I will I'll give it a try, and I'll let you know how I feel that day. I guarantee it I'm going to be extremely full. So anyway, that's the show. I hope all of you enjoyed it. Please follow me on Instagram at the Diet Obsessed podcast. I'm on Facebook at the Diet Obsessed. You can go to my website, thedietobsessed.com. Please support the show by subscribing to Craving More or Craving More VIP. You can access those through the link on my Instagram. More great content coming up. Uh, I may do, I'll probably do uh, definitely another Good Guys episode, and I did see a couple good DSTs, so more good things coming, and until we meet again, I hope all of you have a very balanced week.